Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. How are you breathing? Uh, Much much better. It actually started raining the the evening after we spoke last, so we got some really heavy rains in the valley here. Unfortunately, it didn't, like, put out the 
the fires like down south it was just in the valley where we got the rain so it it's still somewhat smoky but it's so much better i mean we can see the sky now which is you know that's relieving (laughs) yes we all need to see the sky i was just reading that recent research it has found that green looking at green even a picture of green or especially being out in nature does indeed speed healing and looking at blue like a blue sky or water um really improves people's mood there was a significant drop in suicide rates among people who lived within half a mile of water hmm interesting yeah yeah yeah, it was quite the experience um, having the the rain come in. I was glad that I didn't leave for that experience because I was I had tried to, but um, yeah, just uh, being here for it was quite. It was like a spiritual experience having the rain come back in and just like the earth completely be saturated and um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was just quite the experience for sure. And uh, so appreciative of, you know, the elements coming in and taking care of us. And it's just like such, uh, just made made me so much more thankful for for everything, just being able to be outside, you know. Being able to be outside, absolutely. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have been invited to be part of a grandmother's conference in San Diego, mm-hmm. but of course in COVID days, I don't go there personally. We do it by Zoom. Mm-hmm. And the conference is um, devoted to um, the speaking for the earth through the elements. Mm-hmm. And each of us, each grandmother has been asked to um, do a ritual for an element. I've been asked to do an, a ritual for earth element. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I think I think that um, I know that registration just opened today for the event, and I think that that if one is connected via the mentorship site or the website or by a mailing list or whatever, possibly even by Facebook, that you will soon be notified about this event. But I think it's going to be quite extraordinary. Yeah, so is that and, a part of the like the thirteen indigenous grandmothers? Will they all be present for that as well? Well, the remaining members of them. Luz Clara, the woman who's doing it in Santiago, has not said anything about those thirteen grandmothers. Okay. Well, I'm excited to check it out. Sounds yeah amazing. Mm-hmm. This weekend, that's in October sometime. The grandmothers conference in Santiago. But this weekend, the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference is happening. I'm doing a, an intensive, a cancer diagnosis, help yourself the wise woman way. And since in COVID days, we're not going to be bringing our physical bodies all together at a wonderful camp. Uh, how we miss that. Um, I am going to give a passcode to anyone who takes that intensive with me to get into my course at wisewomanschool.com of the same name. And I think the course goes for about $400, and I think it's 
under $200 to enroll for my intensive. So I think it's a very good deal for you if you're interested in that. And I think that since it's um, online, that um, there's no upper limit on it. And, of course, I'm going to be doing a keynote about Optimum Nutrition, the Wise Woman Way, on Saturday. And that's Saturday, 1 o'clock Pacific time, and then 4 o'clock Eastern time. And that's by Zoom, by live Zoom. That'll be this Saturday. And there's going to be lots of other exciting things. The theme is coming to the table. So I hope that you join us at the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference this weekend. Yes, that sounds good. I'm going to be with a, a few women myself this weekend. I'm, I am risking it and taking a trip this weekend, but I was telling Eel Song that I hope to make it there in person next year, if we're meeting in person next year. Yes, indeed. Don't we all envision that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully this doesn't last a, <laughs> more than another year. <laughs> we were hard-pressed to believe, even in July, that we would still be so, well, it's not really locked down. I mean, we could all decide, you know, to get in an airplane and fly out there and gather together, but we're just choosing to be safer than that. And mm-hmm. and I think it's a wise choice. I'm not chomping at the bit to be going places. I'm very happy being at home in my safe town in my safe county. Mm-hmm. Where... So far, so good for us. No travel plans at all for you this coming up in the next few months? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, Justine that's rare and for I you. Went, Justine and I went for a walk yesterday. And we're walking along, and I looked at it, and I said, is that bone set? And we kind of winded our way mm-hmm. in some dry land down and around to the wetter land, and sure enough, it was bone set. So much bone set, bursting into flowers, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. We made a little video about bone set, I call bone set the herb of the hour. Bone set, of course, is the herb that has most been used against all kinds of coronaviruses. And that while native people here use the root of it, I found the root very bitter and I tincture the flowers. And it also preserves a perennial plant. I actually made my... Oh, go ahead. We can tincture the flowers and the root is still there and comes back year after year. And you made your what? Mm -hmm. I made my first bone set flower tincture this year and I was waiting and waiting for it to go into full flower. It takes a long time for it to actually bloom here at least. I was checking on it and checking on it because it's at a different place than I live. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It is a late bloomer. That's absolutely true. Yeah. It is late late in the fall. But it had set the flowers like a month before it actually bloomed. (laughs) (laughs) Biding its time, Mm -hmm. eh? Yeah, yeah. It's really making me wait for it. But it's worth (laughs) the wait. I mean, I haven't had to use it. I haven't got to use it yet. So I, 
actually hope I don't have to use it myself, but <laughs> if I do, I have it on hand. Yes, it is definitely the kind of remedy that one makes with a, a, a prayer and a wish that, oh, may I never have to use this. Mm-hmm. Not even to have to give it to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And yet when there's so much of it and nature's offering it so abundantly, how foolish not to humbly accept the gift. Mm-hmm. Yes. How long do you think tinctures are good for? Um, I think I think they're good for several years. I mean, it depends on the the plant. Like I've heard you say before, you know, like shepherd's purse is only good for a year. Um, it loses its potency after that. So that's like one that you'd probably want to make more often. But um, you know, like I have some motherwort tincture. I have one that I've just that I use for personal use, but it's a couple years old that I just leave in my bathroom that I draw off of myself and, uh, like hypericum too. And, um, some chickweed as well. I find that they stay potent for a long time. What do you think, Susan? I think so too. I think even longer life expectancies for many of the plants, things like, Osha root or ginseng root or echinacea root, they're made from the fresh or dried roots, I suspect would still be effective for 100 years. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I can't say from personal experience that Shepherd's Purse doesn't work as the tincture ages. It might be one of those midwife myths. But it's the kind of myths that persist because nobody wants to test it out. Right. Because <laughs> when you need it, you really need it, and you need it to be potent. <laughs> exactly right. You need it to work. You need it to stop hemorrhage after birth. Say, oh, mm-hmm. let's see if this one works or not. No, that's not like <laughs> not what anybody's going to do. Mm-hmm. So if the myth is you have to make it new every year, then you make it new every year. You just can't go along with the myth until some serendipity changes it and either confirms it or denies it. Happy equinox. Yeah, happy equinox. It's in the first day of Libra season. Feels good. I like the the energy change right now. Cold breezes blowing. Mm -hmm. I'm fretting about the tropical plants which are out on the deck. Torn between wanting them to have the daylight sun and concerned that it's too cold at night for them. Mm Mm-hmm. My friends in Vermont said it went to 24 degrees the other night there. Oh, wow. That's actually where I'm going this weekend. I'm going to go to Vermont to meet with a group of women. So. (laughs) Pack your long jeans. Yes. Your woolies, your mittens, and your cap. Yes. (laughs) She says that she has a down comforter for the bed, so. (laughs) 
I like perfect. This. She mm-hmm. says it's perfect sleeping temperature for perfect sleeping temperature. Is what she says. Do we have any questions tonight? We do. We have a few people with their hands raised, and I'll remind the callers to press 1 if they have a question for you. And um, we can go to our first caller in the 608 area code. Hello, Susan. Thanks for taking my call. Yes. I uh, I just have a a quick uh, follow-up that I wanted to, to make. I called you last week um, talking about a stiff, painful hip and a painful corn on the bottom of my foot. And the, the story medicine that you gave me has been extremely helpful uh, along with the exercises that I'm doing. It really helped to give me something to focus on as I was exercising. Um, I obviously have a, a ways to go, but I, I really think that I'm kind of moving in a direction that's really helpful. Um, and I just wanted to share with you some of what I'm, has come up for me. Um, my, you know, it's just something that, that I've known about my family history, but I just not really paid attention to. But my great-grandmother, um, she... Uh, she got a puncture wound at the bottom of her foot uh, and it uh, got tetanus and it killed her because, you know, in those days there really wasn't any, nobody, I mean, it wasn't, it was something people died of, you know. Um, she uh, orphaned her children and her old, oldest daughter, my grandmother, um, had to drop out of high school, which she she had wanted to graduate high school. It was really important to her, but she had to drop out of high school to take care of her uh, her younger siblings. And uh, I think there's a lot of family pain around all that. Um, on the other hand, if it weren't for that, I don't know if she would have pushed her daughters to go to college and get college degrees like she ended up doing. It was so important to her that her daughters get college degrees because she couldn't finish high school. So, um, I, you know, honestly don't know if what I'm experiencing is really and truly some kind of genetic memory, but it, it is what's coming up for me. And it, it's just the, the feelings that I'm experiencing are a combination of gratitude and, and uh, sorrow. You know, so human beings are so complex. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Oh, thank you for listening. Um, I have another question. Uh, I, I hope it's brief, but you were talking about bone set. Um, I got some bone set seeds from Richter's and I tried to plant some in my sunroom to, to sprout, but I had no luck. Have you ever tried to grow them yourself or do you just wildcraft? I live in a place where bone set grows plentifully. 
Okay. And since I'm using the flowering top, I know that I'm not putting any particular pressure on the plant community. So Mm -hmm. I've exclusively wildcrafted. In the video that Justine and I made yesterday, I was talking about where we were and where the bone set was growing. And you could see that we were in a wet meadow. Mm-hmm. And the center of it was too wet for very much to grow. There were some ferns there. And then mm-hmm. as it got toward the outside of it, the bone set was growing. And, of course, there was mm-hmm. some elder around the edge as well. And mm-hmm. that the, the bone set likes a location that is wet, but not too wet. So it so, likes its feet damp, but not soggy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I grew mine it, from seed. I was going to... Oh, goody. And, Tell us uh, about it. I thought it was pretty easy to germinate. Um, I got my seeds from strictly medicinal seeds, so I don't know if the seed you got mm-hmm. wasn't viable, but... Um, yeah, that seed was good, and I didn't do anything special to it, and I had, like, a pretty high success rate. I think I got lots of plants out of it, so maybe you want did to try it. Did you plant it seed. directly? Okay. Oh, did no, you I didn't plant direct directly. It. I, did it in, I did do it in seed trays. And what time of year did you do it? In the spring. In the spring. Okay. Yeah, right. and so what I do is I put it in seed trays, and I just put a um, one of the domes on it, and just keep the you know the dome moist and the soil moist until it, it germinates, and then put them into four inch pots and let them get a little bigger, and and then oh. uh, and then put them in the garden. Okay. Okay. All right, strictly medicinal. I'll have to check them out. Anyway, thank you so much for everything that you do, uh, uh, both of you. And uh, uh, bless, green blessings to you both, and uh, I'll let someone else talk. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. If you don't mind, too, I wanted to mention that I'm having a sale in my Etsy shop Um and that is going until tomorrow. It's an Equinox sale. And uh, if anybody is interested, they can just go to www.etsy.com backslash nourish wholeness. No, backslash shop backslash nourish wholeness. So Etsy.com backslash shop backslash nourish wholeness. And you'll find the it's all discounted there. Um, and that is in celebration of the Equinox and all this wonderful rain that we are getting. So, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Much appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And we'll go to the next caller coming from the two one five area code. Hi, Susan. I just wanted to say thank you for the program. I learn a lot. Um, I listen regularly, and. I have been doing my nourishing herbal infusions for about two years now, and I was explaining it to a friend of mine, and I was explaining how they give the body what it needs, and um, and they brought up specifically um, anti-inflammatory, and I mentioned Linden, and um, 
and got some for her, and I was trying to send her a link, and I came across something interesting that I saw. I don't usually go on the Internet um, because it's certainly a complex world out there with information. And it said, if you take Linden long-term, you can develop heart problems. And I didn't know what to do with that information. <laughs> I, d- I don't know how to process all of the abundant information. Um, and, again, this is a, a new world for me that I'm really trying to learn more and more as I go along. Well, the first thing that you want to ask yourself is, says who? Right. The source. Right, right. What's the source of this? Is mm-hmm. there is there an actual human study that has found this? It didn't come in that context. No. So, are we talking about what form of the plant? Linden um, taken in what way? What part of the linden? It said linden. So we're gonna leaf. we're gonna assume that it's the linden blossom, right? But it might very well be that whoever made this statement perhaps saw some study that was done with powdered linden bark. We don't really know, do we? Right. We are right. We are often taken for a ride because certain things are inferred, and we let them be. Right. So for you, what was inferred was linden blossom infusion, but that isn't what it said. So... The other thing that we can do if we're faced with something like that is to say, is there any evidence that Linden is good for the heart? Hmm. And in fact, there's heaps of evidence that Linden is good for the heart. Interesting. Okay. For 2,000 years, from the time of dynastic Egypt, until about 1100 common era in Europe, it was a known medical fact that women played no part in reproduction. The woman's uterus was like a fallow field. The man planted his seed, the semen, the seed, into that field where it sprouted and grew and produced his offspring. Mm-hmm. So even something that has been considered correct for 2,000 years can be absolutely wrong. So there's right. that. As- right, and that's why I didn't ask you, you know, what do you think about that? And that's why I was trying to ask you, how do I learn to process the information, you know, when you come across different information like that. Right. Well, I hope my answer is helping you. Yes, it is. And I'm going to go back to that link and try to understand. Um, And 
even though I understand that we shouldn't look at the infusions in terms of a drug, in terms of um, uh, anti-inflammatory and just looking at it very specifically um, to match a symptom, um, you know, when I was trying to search for information to, to give to this person, I didn't exactly find it easy. And so, you know, yes. So that's why I wanted to come back to you to try to understand how to process information. Mm-hmm. Right. Find out who's saying it, what they're basing it on. In other words, is it a Petri dish study? Is it an animal study? Is it a human study? So if they're taking linden extract and putting in a Petri dish of heart cells, and after doing this 30 times, the heart cells begin to deform, that doesn't necessarily mean that drinking linden is going to hurt your heart. Okay. I'm going to go back, and I'm going to look at my link and, and learn from that and, and, and go from there. Right. And you are encouraging her to ally with Lyndon because she's looking for an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, she was talking about bone and joint pain and mm-hmm. um, and and turmeric oh. and mm-hmm. um, so here's, and I, here's another yeah. way to look for information. Look for flavanols. Okay. Flavanols are anti-inflammatory compounds, and they're quite a lot of them in linden. Look for polyphenols. Polyphenols are also very strongly anti-inflammatory. And there's many of them in linden. And so rather than trying to find somebody that she trusts who says that linden is an anti-inflammatory, let her see that the constituents that are naturally found in linden have these effects. Perfect. Okay, perfect, great. All right? All right. Thank you very much. Okay, great blessings. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 352 area code. Hi, Susan. It's Carol from Nashville. How are you? Hi, Cheryl. I'm doing well. It's Carol, but that's okay. Oh, Carol, thank you. Thank you. Um, hey, how's your grand? I just, I just won. Um, my grandson and I have been doing uh, rummy, and we played to two thousand, and he beat me by like five points. That game is brutal. How's your da- granddaughter coming along with her game? <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, it's I mean, a great way to stay because I've had to get my taxes done. So I've been boring oh, no. and lining up the receipts and toting up the totals and doing all that. And, uh, well, when you're done with that, your math will be good and you start playing some rummy again. How about it? I, for sure. I know. Isn't, it, it, cards are just the best. I, uh, two things. When my daughter played at the Opry, she brought 15 quarts of metal infusion for everybody at the Opry to drink. <laughs> Oh, Showbiz. Wow. Oh my gosh. Isn't that fun? 
she's releasing her Christmas uh, CD, and I'll send you send you that. So I want to complain about the shortage of nettles because of your podcast. <laughs> that was all I have to say about that. But my question for you tonight is about chiggers. Piss. Yeah. Oh, mercy gracious. Well, I won't make the call long to say that I got. Oh man. So what do you what do you think about cures for chiggers? Well, I think the oldest cure is probably the bestest cure, which is paint fingernail polish on it. Uh, It really is. It really is. It really is. Well, that's all right. Excellent. All right, so get done with your numbers and go play some rummy. All right. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right. It looks like we just have one more caller in the queue for now. If you have a question, please make sure to press one to ask it. And well, you know what? Caller... I, I, you know what? We didn't even tell everybody that we were going to be talking to Heather Ash Amara, the author of Warrior Goddess Training Series, in just one hour. Yeah, wow. I know. Wow, we've talked to her, and yeah, it's been a while since we've talked to her. So I'm excited to hear what she's up to these days. It's nice to check in with a guest again. Certainly. Is. Right. Her mm-hmm. little little book on big freedom and seven secrets to happy, healthy relationships. Yes, indeed. So mm-hmm. that's going to be at 9 o'clock. We're going to be talking once again to Heather Ash Amara, warrior goddess. Ha-ha. Nice. All right, the next caller here is coming from the 330 area code. Hi there. I'm My name is Lauren, and I called. I worked with someone named Gay Walden, and she had recommended that I call and ask you a question that I had for her. Go ahead. So I, had, I have melanoma uh, cancer cells and a lymph node in my inguinal area, and um I uh, I try anything natural. I don't I don't like doctors. I don't want to go that way. And I'm only 30. Um, I just had a, actually was induced early to have my daughter because I was pregnant when they found my cancer. And um, luckily, it's not anywhere else other than that lymph node. So I'm trying to find ways to kind of get rid of it without having to do anything with the doctor system. Um, I went to to Gay, and she gave me. Uh, some poke root and iodine to put on my my tumor, and um, it was tingling, but it also made that makes it feel sensitive, almost like it, before I had any you know put anything on it, I didn't really notice it was there, and then when I put the poke root and the iodine mixture on it, I notice it's more sensitive, and I can feel that it's there. Is that something I should be concerned about? I was talking about poke root. This weekend, because I was giving a class like has has the same name as my class at thewisewomanschool.com and the same name as the intensive I'm doing for the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference, and that's a cancer diagnosis, help yourself, the wise woman way. And I was talking about poke and the various ways that it can be used. And that can the root, the fresh root, can be tinctured, and that can be taken in small doses internally 
to counter cancer throughout the entire body. Mm. Or the root can be used directly on the tumor to break down the skin to cause a wound and to cause the body to express the cancer. I was talking about Ingrid Naiman, N-A-I-M-E-N. I think she's still with us, who is perhaps the world's leading expert on escharotics, which is plants that are used to burn and to break open the skin in order to get at a cancer. She says that indeed anyone can get rid of a surface tumor that way, but that most people, even most people who started, won't finish it because it's quite painful and it smells bad. Hmm. Wow. I'm not exactly sure when we come to dealing with cancer if natural is superior to anything else. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, sus- I suspect that your intention is to get rid of this cancer, to put it kindly. Is that correct? Correct, yes. You would like to eliminate this cancer altogether from your body and your life. Absolutely. You want to murder this cancer. You want to kill this cancer. Absolutely. Well, herbs are not well suited to that. Yeah. Surgery is quite well suited to that. Okay. And usually with the kind of cancer that you have, that's what's offered is surgery, right? They do. They want to remove my lymph node, but then I was was doing a lot of research. You know, cancer can grow and metastasize if it if it hits oxygen too, so it's hard to decide. It is difficult to decide. It's absolutely true, but it can also grow if it's left in your body. Yep, As you're right. Effect will definitely grow if it's left in your body. So, in my course, one of the things I say is, as soon as you have a cancer diagnosis, you might want to consider taking mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms. They help stop metastasis. I have actually been taking AHCC. I don't know if you're familiar with that supplement. I'm not. Um, It is a form of, I'm not really even 100% sure. I work with an acupuncturist in um, Charlotte, North Carolina, and he recommends it, highly recommends it. And it's it's been used in studies in New York, I've I've heard, to kind of aid with chemotherapy, I think. I'm not doing any of that, but it's supposed well, to kill Well, then why are you taking an herb that aids chemotherapy? It's, it's to help kill cancer cells, is, I guess, with your immune system. So your immune system is kind of, it helps make your immune system strong. The reason you have cancer, cancer in the first place is not because your immune system is not effective. It's because cancer is hiding from your immune system. Sure. Yeah, you're right. Cancer cloaks itself. It doesn't matter how effective or active or healthy your immune system is. No, you're right. So no poke root. You think no poke root on there? I just get it. Take it. I 
I do have a, an appointment. It's entirely up to you. The poke, putting the poke root on there is supposed to break open the skin, cause a nasty, smelly wound, and eventually have the cancer come through. That's the intention sure. of it. Okay, that's good to know. I didn't realize that. Right. That's what I'm talking about with the escarotics. An escarotic okay. thing that damages and destroys tissues. And again, that's why I'm saying, really, is this better than surgery? Is it better to spend four to six weeks causing an open wound in your groin to get rid of this? Or is it better to have surgery, which is over in an hour? I've been right. reading about I've been reading about Moore's, M-O-H-R-S, Moore's surgery for skin cancers. Mm -hmm. What's generally been done before is to cut out the skin cancer with a clear margin around it. And Uh if if the cancer is large, this can cause the necessity of a skin graft. And the Moore's technique um, takes layer after thin layer of skin and cancer off, which is looked at by the attending physician. The operator of the uh, Moore's knife is also a pathologist and keeps taking off slices until there's no cancer. Wow. You know, what we really need to understand is that nobody gets involved in medicine unless they want to help people. Right. And people have different ways of helping people. But nobody out there intends to hurt you. Sure. And natural ways are not necessarily the best ways to destroy things. Right. You're right. Well, thank you so much. I just, I just kind of had a question about that poker. I, I guess I'm just going to be moving forward with my surgery, which is next Tuesday. So fingers crossed that goes well. It will definitely go well because you're going to be prepared. Yes, ma'am. I You've been will. using the foundational medicines. You'll come out of it glowing and in great health. I, I'm praying for that, and I, I know it will happen. Wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much for your help. Thank you. Give us a call afterwards. Bye-bye. Sure, I will. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 250 area code. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question about some itchy patch on my growing on my leg um it's caused a little discoloration in my leg and it's kind of like a it looks like a bruise and but there's another part um which actually was much itchier um that when I scratched it kind of looked um almost like a um a cold sore blister but it didn't ooze or anything um, and it was very, very itchy, and I had scratched that, not knowing what was happening, and then um, it didn't turn a dark color like the initial spot that was that appeared. 
Um, so I'm just wondering if you have any idea from what I'm describing what it could be because it um I have put yarrow tincture on it. Um I've used witched hazel um tincture to soothe it, soothe the itchiness. But I'm wondering if there's something else that I could use. Well, has the yarrow eased the itchiness? Yes, the yarrow has also eased the itchiness. And has the witch hazel been effective? Yes. And I'm wondering if it might be... And this has been going on for how long? Um, Just a few weeks. A few weeks since the beginning of September? Yeah. Has it spread or changed in that time? Um... From what I initially noticed um, in the beginning, yes, it has spread, um, but not any further. Um, But it has gone up my leg. like It's like a trail almost going up my leg. So there's this like probably um, sparse palm-sized patch on near my knee and then just a thin trail kind of going up the back of my leg, kind of wrapping that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Does it interfere with your sleep or your daily activities? Um, sometimes it does. Yeah, it just it can be pretty itchy. Does the yarrow or the witch hazel help at those times? Um, well, I yes, I guess sometimes I forget to to bring it with me or use it. Um, like when I'm at work or whatnot, but yeah, it does help. Um, yeah, but I'm just kind of concerned because it's caused discoloration, and I figured if it was some sort of infection, I could spray it with the yarrow um, regularly, and maybe it would go away, but it seems like it's just something's in my skin. <laughs> I hear you. I very much hear you, and I've been asking myself what that might be. Mm-hmm. I know that pinning down what's going on on someone's skin is one of the most difficult things to do. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> the dermatologists get big money. Mm-hmm. And I just got a book in the mail. Which you haven't read yet. Okay. But it had a kind of interesting letter with it. President Clinton's allergist couldn't help her. One dermatologist suggested that she soak in a diluted solution of bleach. After Manisha Singal, M.D., a prominent chief medical officer in Washington, D.C., had gone several rounds with doctors trying to find a cure for her painfully debilitating skin irritation, she sought her own therapy. She tossed out everything in her bathroom. No perfume, no dye, no chemical additives. Despite being a critical care physician, she'd always tried to avoid taking medications, but eventually 
she found herself in a heavy arsenal of pharmaceuticals. Then she turned to homeopathic solutions. None of that helped until she reached for the best anti-inflammatory that can be used topically, and that is CBD. And that's the name of her book, CBD Skin Care Solution. That sounds intriguing. Doesn't it, though? Mm-hmm. And what was the uh, author? Ranisha Singal. Ranisha? How does that, how do you spell I'm that? I'm sorry, Manisha, M-A-N-I-S-H-A. Singal, Manisha Singal. Manisha Singal. And her book is CBD. Okay. Right. So perhaps that will help you. Yes. Perhaps I'll try and find it at a my local bookstore. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for taking my sure. call and many blessings of love and health to you. Thank you. Great blessings. Good night. Good night. If anybody has a question, please press 1. We have a lot of people on the line, but it doesn't look like anybody has a question right now. Well, and Katie is okay, here. Oh. Say it again. Katie is here, and mm-hmm. Katie just graduated from her six-week living apprenticeship. And mm-hmm. nature gave her a graduation present. And I know that she would like to tell the story of that. So while we're waiting for somebody to push one, why don't we let Katie tell her story of what happened to her today? Okay? Mm -hmm. Hey, Rebecca. Hi. Hello. Hi. Congratulations on six weeks. Thanks. It was a very intense experience. And I was celebrating in the woods on Goat Watch. It's a warmer day than it's been in a while, which is really nice. And we were still in the woods, me and the goats, and but, you know, to the right of the barn. And I got stung on my hand. I thought it was a yellow jacket. And then immediately after, it stung me on my neck. So I got stung twice. And I was like, ow, that really hurt. But I um, didn't really think much of it and started walking with the goats, like, around the barn, back towards the studio. And then we came, you know, back up to the barn. And I started to put the goats away, and my body started to itch a lot. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, something's really wrong. And then I... So the teacher intervened. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, mm-hmm. what's the very first thing that we do when we've been stung by anything? I mean, I would look down and find plantain is what I would do. Very important when we are stung by anything to, one, find plantain, and two, 
sit down. Mm-hmm. Sit down. Don't circulate the venom. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, everybody mm-hmm. who's listening, Katie did not find plantain, and she started walking around. Now what happens? Uh-oh. Uh-oh, I did. I made two errors. Good thing I graduated from my apprenticeship before I didn't put plantain on my stung. I've gotten stung so many times in my life and, and not had a a bad reaction. So I was really surprised when about, you know, 10 minutes after I got stung, I started to itch. And, the, and I was like, okay, well, the goats are in. Let me do the rabbits. Oh, wait, I'm itching like a lot more. Something's really wrong. And then my face started to swell. I felt like my throat was swelling. And I started to break out in hives all over my body. And I was like, whoa, this is really bad. And we ju- and I know Susan has a bag of OSHA root because just not even a week ago she had the bag out and we actually chewed on the root. And a woman that was at a workshop was having a lot of allergy issues and and she had chewed on a root, and that, you know, dissipated her her issues. And so I went into Susan's herb room, and I'm looking for the bag of OSHA root, and I can't find it, and the itching is getting worse, and the swelling is getting worse, and there's nobody home. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. And I walked outside, and just in that moment, Michael pulled up. And and Michael is so funny. It was probably such a funny sight to see. I was just, like, gnawing at my body and that really swollen face. And I was like, Michael, I need you to help me. I've been stung. And Michael went inside the house and found OSHA root tincture. And plantain still would have worked, even at that point, wouldn't it? Katie had all that time to find some plantain abundantly all over the place and put it on her sting and stop this reaction. I know people who are allergic to stings, and they carry dry plantain leaves with them because it so effectively counters this kind of reaction. Michael found OSHA root tincture. No, he found Oshala. Oshala. Oshala tincture. And he put a dropper full in my hand and instructed me to suck it up and, like, really, like, smell it when I was taking it. And it did have about after, I don't know, 20 or 30 seconds, I did feel a, a, a slight relief from itching, and a few minutes later I took a bit more in my hand and slurped it up and um and then I went to go lay down and when I laid down I felt really nauseous so it's been a few hours since that happened I'm I'm still swollen um and slight slightly itchy and kind of warm but um it was quite an afternoon, and yes, it's it's really interesting. I didn't expect. I've never had something like that happen to me. I just gotten stung quite a bit. You know, didn't really after that initial kind of pain of the sting that kind of jolts you. I didn't feel pain. Just totally was like, oh yeah, well, 
you know, I got this to do, put the goats up, doing my thing. So, yeah, um, looking for a plantain or walking to a place, finding plantain would have been the right thing to do. And um, and I learned a lot from today's experience. It was uh, <laughs> like a nice ending, <laughs> like an intense ending to an intense experience here at the Wise Woman Center. <laughs> I was reading yeah, that story. Yeah, it seems like the things get more potent this time of year. I was reading a story mm-hmm. in the Sierra Club about a woman who's allergic to um, stings from wasps and hornets. Um, in fact, medical science has decided that no one is allergic to bee stings, that people who think they are actually allergic to wasps or hornets because there's just not stuff in a bee sting that can set off that kind of allergic reaction. Anyhow... She was allergic. She knew she was allergic. She usually carried an epi kit. But she was just going off, you know, for a short canoe ride. Ha ha. So she didn't take it with her, and she wound up on this island, and she stumbled into a nest, and she got stung about 20 times, and she thought, I'm going to die. That's it. I'm going to die. And then she remembered that the most important thing to do if you're stung is to be still. Be still. Hang out. Do not circulate the venom. Especially don't move the part that got stung because that will really circulate it. And she actually managed to survive and to get back after having been stung multiple times, even though she was allergic to even one sting because she just laid down and did absolutely nothing. When I've taken a tumble or gotten into a bad situation with the goats. I have always been so appreciative of how much the goats understand and how much they're willing to just hang out and be with me or help me find what I need. All right. Well, we did have a couple people queue up with questions here, so we can go to the Good. first call. All right. Coming from where you're at in the 845 area code. Hi, this is Tatiana. Good evening. Hi, Tatiana. What's up with you tonight? Well, uh, I'm trying to uh, exercise because my heart needs movement and the old problem of pain when moving and especially um, if I need to give my heart a, a workout, which is happening very quickly if I just go up and down four steps at the post office. But the experience I had last week is that I went to the gym that opened and I walked very slowly for 15 minutes uh, on the treadmill, and I felt fine. And then I had the bad idea to go to the post office and to do my usual 120 steps up and 120 down very slowly in intermissions and resting and all that. And, boy, I got into so much pain that for three days I didn't do anything. And after that, I could not really uh, go back uh, 
the right hip and pains that I had before just get aggravated very quickly. And uh, tomorrow I'm going to the gym for 15 minutes and I know I will walk. I do, and I walk on number one, which is like the slowest walk. There's nothing phenomenally difficult about that for normal people. For me it is. Um, I uh, I move with difficulty. I barely stand for five minutes, and I barely walk for five minutes. So um, if you have any idea, yes, I'm taking my medication, uh, which is uh, for blood pressure, a minimal dose, and I do I do take everything you told me, the, the infusions and the tinctures. Good for you. One of the things that I personally found is that a treadmill caused me to have to take a step of the same length over and over again. And then very, very quickly, walking on a treadmill, my structure began to complain. And in fact, I have since talked to fitness experts and have found great agreement that um, a short course in how to uh, upset your hips and your muscles and your bones is to walk on a treadmill. No, I don't have that problem. If I walk on the street, it's the same thing. And in the past, when I walked on the treadmill, I did not have any complications. So Okay. It, uh, no. All right. So you think it was just the steps then? Um, it, it was the combination of doing more in one day that I ever did that aggravated everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet you wanted to do that extra. I don't know. I felt like, oh, I feel so good. I felt good after I walked. You know, of course, I walked very slowly, and I watched my walk, and, and I felt my walk, and I, it, it was So fun. what I'm suggesting, suggesting I'm is... It's by its very nature. The repetitious stride of the treadmill and the stairs, which are exactly the same, caused you pain. I think it's the weight of my body on the joints, no matter what I do, whether I walk or I climb slowly and then I walk. I don't climb up and down. You know, I I walk around for anything at all about speed. I'm talking about the steps being the same length and the same size. Um, and so that creates a repetitious motion. Whereas when we are walking in nature, even if we're walking up a slope, our strides are of different lengths. Whether we're yes. going slowly or quickly, um, certainly that makes some difference, but not a lot. Um, so 
I hear you. It doesn't seem to matter um, whether you're just walking or whether you're walking on the treadmill. Yeah. That both of them hurt equally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that usually going up the stairs doesn't hurt. No, no. I I mean, of course, I go very carefully. You told me that four steps. You told me that four steps was really difficult for you, and then my jaw dropped open when you said you did 120 steps. Yes, but I I pace it. That is, I go four up, and then I walk a little bit straight on straight, and then I walk down, and then I walk on straight another eight, and then I walk up four, and I walk straight, and after about four, 40 of this, I rest for five minutes. Um, My breathing, no matter how slow I go, I am overweight, so my breathing is accelerated, and I say, okay, I need a little bit of workout for my heart. That's what I can afford. So all that going up and down and straight is about three to five minutes. Then I sit on the side there near the stairs for five minutes, and then I do the same thing again. And um, I was not... Is this something you've just done once or that you've done it over and over? Um, I do, if I don't hurt, I'm trying to do it every day or every other day. 120 steps. Uh, yeah, the 120 uh, with intermissions. Last year, I did that without stopping, slowly but continuously. Uh, I can't do that anymore. So now you give yourself a little rest. Wonderful. Yeah, I do. I, I pay attention. And, and, of course, the breathing and my weight doesn't change, so that is definitely putting pressure on my joints. Yeah, because it's the hip, the right hip gets mostly aggravated. The left is okay. Mm-hmm. And now the caller just before and I were talking about CBD oil. Is that something that has proved ineffective for you if applied topically to the areas that hurt? Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't help. I I tried that and I tried other things that were supposed to be helpful uh, for th- these kind of pains. And then I also tried uh, to, uh, the the St. John's Wort tincture uh, before and after. It doesn't seem to have an effect. Okay. I I blame it on my overweight because. I am heavy. Mhm. Mhm. There's a um, cream that you can get at drugstores made with cayenne. Yeah, I tried cayenne. that too. Have you tried that? That burns the hell out of my skin. Considering that I have the post-shingle neuralgia, my skin is. It, it, it gets into a fire. I mm-hmm. I can't I can't. That, that does not work for you at all. Terrible. It, yeah. It, I I I tried that. Yes. I tried 
a lot of things. The only thing that doesn't happen is that I don't lose weight. And I'm not trying. I, it's, I'm holding on to my food, which is not a lot, but it soothes me. I like, I, I am a gourmet eater. I love good food. What did you have for dinner tonight? I had nothing. I said I'll wait until I'm hungry. Uh, Before that, I had uh, polenta with two eggs and some cheese on it. It was very good, not too much. Oh, lovely. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) I had a a piece of wild salmon um, with some fennel from my mm-hmm. friend's garden, mm-hmm. chopped fennel, which was sautéed, uh, and then added to the salmon, and mashed potatoes with their skins on. And we had um, a beautiful uh, bok choy that we cooked really for quite a long time, and that was garnished with some oven-roasted um, cherry tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and then good. there was a... Uh, Three cheese and corn souffle. Mm-hmm. That's what I had for dinner. I often say that I eat from the top one tenth of one percent of the food chain, since I know where almost every bite of my food comes from. The corn was grown just down the road. The eggs were raised by Farmer John. It was our own cheese and cheese, cheddar cheese made by a local farmer. It's so uh, nice to be in charge of our food, and I saw that delight. And the students who were here this weekend for the workshops, too, that, uh, you know, on Saturday we picked nettle for nettle soup, and then they sat down to lunch to nettle soup that they had picked the nettle of, and then a, a wild salad that they had picked in its entirety. And I provided the bread and the butter and the goat cheese. And they certainly had a li- at least a little hand in the goat cheese because they pitted the goats. I love goat cheese. That's a great one, yes. It is indeed. So, what I do in situations, like the kind of situation you find yourself in, is I um, give myself a lot of choices, and I switch around between those choices, and I um, offer myself uh, whatever it is that will work, and I'm patient with myself. And I find those things kind of challenging, because I can get impatient with myself and want myself just to behave and, you know, be okay. Um, and there are just sometimes when myself isn't, and I have to uh, just say, okay, you know, whatever it is that you really need, um, I'm I'm going to listen and see how I can best provide that for you. And I think that's pretty much what you're doing. So I applaud you, and you. I know how frustrating it is that this doesn't work and that doesn't work. And um, again, you know. What it, what is it that that never works? Well, don't use that. And what is it that works sometimes? Well, try that sometimes. Yeah, taking right and, and you know, with some remedies, I increase the dosage, and with some I decrease the dosage, and sometimes that made a big difference. You have the time. You have the pain. Experiment. Yeah, you 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 told me to 
to take Mother Worth three times a day somehow. I take it twice. I don't know. I, I don't manage to take That's control. absolutely fine. That's not a problem. Yeah, well, um, everything effortless works. Like if I do um, movements, you know, I, I I have a daily routine of moving my joints on the floor, uh, which is uh, wonderful. But when I try to do the Qigong for 20 minutes, and the Qigong is standing for 20 minutes, that already put pressure on my hip my my right side if i don't do things standing and walking i can do it it's like typical of the heart that it weakens the capacity to move that's part of the unfortunate condition so yes as the heart grows weaker it's yeah. harder to move around because oxygen doesn't get to the cells as well. Yes, yeah. This winter I covered myself more. And from the waist up, I'm burning with shingles. From the waist down, I am cold because the heart doesn't go that far anymore pumping. So I cover, <laughs> I sit and I cover with, a lot of blankets when I sit and read. Uh, when I lie down, on top I have only a cotton blanket, and on the bottom I have more hair, and I have this, and I have that. A lot of light things, but huge layers. Yeah, many, many, many. Because I, I sleep when it's cold with the window open. A little bit, not much, but enough to breathe cold air. And I turn off the air conditioning. Yes, Juliet Berkeley Levy was a big proponent of uh, cold air in the room while sleeping. My neck and shoulders do not appreciate cold air in the room, but I keep the room temperature quite cool. Yes, I I, I like that. I like that. Be continued. Be continued. Thank you for your call. Thank you. Thank you. Be blessing. The next caller is coming from the 651 area code. Hi, Susan. Um, I'm just calling because I'm hoping you have some wisdom to share about babies in the posterior position. I'm 34 weeks pregnant, and um, I just found out that my my baby is posterior. And um, since finding out last week, I've just been trying visualization techniques and, um, you know, different like lying on my left side and um, doing different like yoga poses um, as often as I can to try to move her. Um, But I 
haven't really gotten. So you, you're, you're, you want to get the baby's head down. The baby's head is down. She's just posterior, so um, no, the back is In other words, her, her face is facing the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah. And, and what and what is the particular difficulty of that? Um, it can just make labor more prolonged and painful, I guess, with the, I guess, like the side of the, like the exact angle that her head would be, um, you know, entering my pelvis um, is not ideal, I suppose. So. Well, that's kind of why I'm asking. Because certainly if it was, she was in a breech position, you know, there would be some, you know, real reason to try to turn it. A posterior presentation can make the labor longer, but it doesn't always make the labor longer. Do you drive a car? Yes, I do drive a car. Do you drive a car? Uh-huh. Um, if you go over the speed limit, you can get a ticket, yes? Yes. And so you never go over the speed limit, right? I do. <laughs> um, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah. I guess it's my first baby, so I am pretty nervous about it. Um, uh-huh. And, you know... Well, you know, the more nervous you are, the more control they have over you and the more likely they are to induce your labor or to tell you you have to have a C-section. Right. That's why I'm I'm trying to, you know, do so anything I can. Right wait a second. To... By trying to change your baby, you are playing into their hands. That's exactly That's what I'm true. saying. The position your baby is in is non-threatening to you and the baby. They are acting like it's a problem. If you buy into it being a problem, you have already bought into their worldview. What I'm suggesting is it's not a problem. Don't buy into it. Don't start your or continue your or add to your relationship with your baby an all-out war about what your baby, how your baby wants to be born. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. You're you're totally yeah. right, and I feel like that's yeah. I I that resonates because I didn't feel like the position. You know, I could tell that I was aware that you know she was on the right side and everything. And I mentioned it to my chiropractor, and I didn't really feel any type of anxiety about it. It didn't. You know, my instinct wasn't telling me that anything was wrong, but. Um, Good for you. So, yeah, so maybe I, I should have just stuck with that, but <laughs> not, not yes. that it's going to be okay. Stick with that. Exactly. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for telling me very much. I can see you're concerned. Would you like some other word tincture? I'm not concerned at all. 
Okay. Well, thank you, Susan. Even though, it's my, even though it's my first baby, I am, after all, a woman. And this woman's body, in other forms, has given birth thousands of times and knows how to do it. Don't limit yourself to your one limited eco-consciousness. You belong to the great tribe of women. Amen. <laughs> woman's body knows how to do this. Woman's intuition knows what's going on. Huh. Do not doubt yourself. Trust yourself. Doubt them. Doubt their fear. Trust yeah. your trust your sense of everything is okay. You're not going to be wrong if you feel everything is okay. You might be wrong if you feel like everything is effed up. But right. you're not wrong if you feel like everything is okay. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. My my fiance and I are feeling very empowered by <laughs> your wisdom right now. <laughs> um Thank you, Goody. Susan. You're so welcome. Yeah. Green blessings. Thanks. Green blessings. Good night. All right. Looks like we have one caller left in the queue with a question and about eight minutes until the guest arrives. So this caller is coming from the 703 area codes. Hi, hi, Suzanne. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm wondering how can I strengthen my lung? I um, I have asthma, and I found out from my lung doctor that I just exhale 66% of air out of my lung, and he gave me um, alvesco to take. Uh, twice a day, 180 milligrams. And uh, I have osteoporosis, and I am 50 I'm going to have to stop you because I cannot really understand most of what you're saying. Okay. So let's let's see um, what we can do so that I can understand you. First of all, you're very very echoey. Okay. I don't know why. Are you on I'm a speakerphone? No, no. Are you on a cell phone? No. On a cell phone, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you speak more slowly, I can understand you better. Sure. Thank you. Okay, no. now, are you talking about a problem you are having or another person? I have a problem with my lung. How can I explain? You have a problem with lung? your what? Lung. Lung. With your lungs, which you breathe with? Yes. Okay. I just exhale 66% of air out. You are now 66? Is that what you said? 66% of air out of my lungs when I exhale. You can only get 66% of the air in your lungs out. Yes. And you know this because the doctor measured it? Yes. And okay. he gave me um, 
he gave me Alvesco the spray, um, the steroid spray, twice a day to spray on my mouth. I am wondering what else I can do to strengthen my lungs. I do, um, I listen to your advice, and I do that, uh, the, what is that, I forgot the name of it, I, I, six weeks in a year, you make infusion and you drink it with the milk. The melon milk. Melon, yes, I do that. But can I do melon? And you, you, you have been diagnosed as having reduced lung function how long ago? Uh, it's Recent? Three, four years. Three, four years. Three years ago. Uh, yes. I have asthma. Yes. And you've been drinking the mullen for how long? Uh, for like one year. One year I did it for six weeks. Uh, the of, same out of one year me. you did it for six weeks. And yes. over this, and I take it that was this past year. Mm-hmm. And during yes. that year, has your ability to exhale improved? No. No. Has it worsened? No. 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 So I was wondering what else I can do because I'm a healthcare worker. I work out, you know, I work in a therapy. I was wondering besides Alvesco, which is not good for my osteoporosis, I have. I'm very skinny, and I want to see what else I can do to strengthen my Well, there's a... Um, there's a couple of remedies, mm, mm-hmm. one of which, one or the other of which, or perhaps both of them, uh, might be of some use to you. One of the herbs that we've been talking about tonight is Osha, and okay. O-S-H-A, and the botanical name is Ligusticum porgeri. And Ligusticum mm-hmm. porgeri grows way away from people. It grows like at elevations over 8,000 feet in the Colorado Mm -hmm. Rockies as well as other parts of the Rockies. And it's not, you know, a really rare plant, but neither is it super common. And it has a pretty strong effect in opening up breathing. And Mm -hmm. so there are herbalists who've been experimenting with another Ligusticum, that they call Oshala, and mm-hmm. whereas the dose of Osha is usually one to five drops, usually the dose of Oshala is a whole dropper full. And both of them work, seems to be the same way, which is by encouraging the tissues not to absorb histamine. Okay. The histamine is still produced, but the tissues no longer absorb it. So the histamine reaction, the actual physical effects we get from absorbing the histamine, both in our breathing and in our skin, like with Katie, um, lessen very, very rapidly. So in a situation where you need a rapid response and you need to be able to breathe better right away, having some OSHA with you um, could be very helpful. Elecampane is another root. It's a plant that grows in the northeast, and it grows in wet cow pastures. It's called Mm -hmm. Elecampane, which is uh, 
derivation of Helen of Campania, the Helen of the Beauty of the Field. It's in the sunflower family, and it's a very, very beautiful plant indeed. The root of both Osha and Elecampane have very strong flavors and smells, loaded with interesting and powerful glycosides. And the Elecampane seems to repair tissues deep within the lungs and to open up breathing, not really rapidly like the Osha does, but fairly rapidly and more consistently in terms of the lungs being able to breathe better on their own. Thank you. The OSHA is like an emergency remedy for, you know, like Katie was using it, right? Like, wow, something is really going haywire in my body. I'm having a very strange and scary histamine response, and I want it to stop, and OSHA is going to stop it. How about mullen? Can I drink mullen uh, infusion more? Yes. You could safely drink it every other six weeks. So do it for six weeks and then not for six weeks and then do it for six weeks again. Has to be mixed with the milk or can it be itself? It's best if it's mixed with the milk because the milk is very healing for the lungs. Also, the doctor told me a lot of people have allergy to milk, but I didn't notice anything. It's only the truth. It is, um, it is commonly thought that many people have allergies to milk. Um, there is a man in Boston, an MD in Boston, who has spent his life um, and over 30 years of his life trying to find someone who is allergic to milk, and he has yet to find that person. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Susan. Um, I'm gonna think. Uh, I'm gonna work on these two uh, others, Osho and Elecan, right? Elecampane, right? Helen. Elecampane. Inula Helenium. Okay. Thank you very much. Dream blessings. Thank Good you. night. Very blessing to you. Thank you. Good night. And I'm so happy to welcome back Heather Ash Amara the author of Warrior Goddess, The Warrior Heart Practice, a little book on big freedom, Awaken Your Inner Fire, and co-author of The Seven Secrets to Happy, Healthy Relationships with Don Miguel Ruiz, Jr. Heather Ashamara is dedicated to inspiring depth, creativity, and joy by sharing the most potent tools from a variety of world traditions. Heather Ash studied and taught extensively with Don Miguel Ruiz, the author of The Four Agreements and continues to teach with the Ruiz family. She was raised in Southeast Asia and has traveled the world from childhood. She's so inspired by the diversity and beauty of human expression and experience. Heather Ash brings her open-hearted, inclusive worldview to her writings and teachings in which she blends Toltec wisdom, European shamanism, and Buddhism. Welcome back, Heather Ash. Um, we are going to have to give her a call. I thought that I saw her number in the queue just a minute ago, but it may have been somebody else's, or her call may have dropped, so let's try her. Okay, let's try her.
Hi, this is Heather Ashamara. Leave me a message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Blessings. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Getting back to us as soon as you can is not soon enough. Hey, Heather Ash, it's Susan Weed. You're supposed to be on the air with me live right now. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Here, let's see. I do see her number. Here we go. <laughs> Yay. Hello. Yay, I'm here. Yay. <laughs> I've been listening the whole the whole 90 minutes, and all of a sudden my internet went wonky. So, of course, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, golly, the last time we talked, you were traveling about in your airstream, and you were you were going to move to New Mexico and say bye bye to New York. Did that happen? What's life looking yeah. like for you right now? Oh, life is so amazing. So I am in New Mexico. I am building an adobe building by hand, community kitchen, living on 180 acres. With a wonky internet connection. Exactly, with a wonky internet connection. addition to um, hand building an adobe structure, and is that a hay bale structure that you're making? It's actually adobe brick, so we're hand making adobe bricks, which is quite a lovely process. It was an old building that, an old adobe building that we pulled down, so it's the best of recycling ever. Aha! So you have some of the bricks that came from the building, and then you have a brick form, and you're making new bricks. Exactly. What fun. It is. It is really <laughs> fun. <laughs> yes. And after being on the road for the last 20 years, to have a place to land has been quite amazing. Ah, do you have a garden there? Not yet. Not yet. So that'll be phase probably three you're still in phase one. Yes, still very much in phase one. Yeah, get the road fixed, build the building. Which is phase one, not to piss in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> phase two, table to eat from. Yes, that is exactly it. <laughs> it's uh, good. So in addition to becoming a builder, are there any other new practices that uh, have come to you since you have um, stopped traveling around, settled down, and moved to the desert? Mm. I'd say the biggest thing is slowing down and being a lot more connected to the land and creating more spaciousness in my life. I had a very busy wonderful uh, life and while my life is full it's full in a very different way right now which I really appreciate tell me more about that how is life 
soul in this different way? Hmm. I've had the gift of having a lot more space in my life to create. What I, the way I like to think about it is to create from inspiration rather than pressure. So a lot of times I found in my life that there's, there's this sense of pressure of pushing to make things happen. And what I'm finding, finding is that slowing down and making boundaries, which feels super critical right now for all of us, making really good boundaries, getting clear about what it was that, where I want to put my attention, that the boundaries, even though they've been challenging to make in certain times, are what allow me to drop in and be able to listen in a completely different way. So in order to live sanely with others, it's necessary to set boundaries. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) so much so. And that seems to be up right now, I think, in the collective as well, is... You know, there's so much divisiveness right now. There's so much places we can get our attention hooked. And learning to set boundaries with ourselves to really tend to our own inner garden, to tend to how do I nurture this being at this time. And it's boundaries, part of it. It's definitely setting the containers we can choose where we want to put our attention rather than getting our attention hooked by the outside world. And it always delights me when I take part in a building project to feel how differently different parts of that project I relate to inside and outside. First, there's just the bare land. And then I mark it. I lay out the plan of what I'm going to build, and I begin to create a boundary. And then I put down a foundation, and that foundation, in a way, opens up the boundary so that already the structure is connected in a covert way, in an underground way. And then I begin building the frame of the building, and the building goes up. And because it's so open, it's as though it were some kind of funny stage set. And so, again, there's that that sense that even though I'm in the building, even though I'm creating boundaries, I'm expanding. Mm. And then, ultimately, I finally, you know, bring a roof and floor and walls, and I really make those boundaries, but I make sure that I have windows and doors. Exactly. Yeah, and I like the the process of building the way that we're doing it brick by brick because it's like picking up the brick that I put energy into, that I put love into, that I put prayers into, and then feeling where does it want to go and setting it down. And that it's demarcating, like you're saying, the, the outside versus the inside. But there's this way that because we just ordered the windows. We haven't gotten to put them, you know, we're not that phase to put them in yet, but they're ordered. And that 
that vision of that when we create the boundaries that we still need to have ways to communicate, that we're not armoring, that we're containing. Yeah, it's such an incredible process. It, it, have you named this Warrior Heart Ranch? Yeah, this is the Warrior Heart Ranch. Yes. And the vision is to have people come up there to be able to spend time in silence, go into stillness, to connect with the land. So that's the, the dream. And we've been having amazing work parties. So that's something that I so appreciate about you, Susan, is the way that you bring community together and teach people in relation to each other and nature. I think that's the best way to guide people is to help them to reconnect with the land. It's so important. It's so very important. So this is the primary vision for you at Warrior Heart Ranch is to, first of all, set your feet on the ground, create a safe and secure space for yourself there, and then to open the space to other people to give them an opportunity which will grow and change as you see who needs it and what they need and want um, to really slow down and connect with the earth. Yes, exactly. And I think that place for, especially for women, of claiming our space first, and that's something that I've been learning recently is when I bought myself the Airstream to travel, I realized I need my own space. I need to say yes to myself before I can really be of best use and service to others. And that act, it felt like a really big act of power to claim this little tiny space for myself, which I love so much. And it's allowed me then to have the foundation to have the roots to then spread my branches wider and to be sustainable. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Now, I have been getting increasingly involved with corn silk. And I know that you know a lot of Toltec wisdom. And the Toltecs were corn growers. Yes. Many corn growers use the corn silk and use the corn pollen as well. Do you have anything you'd like to share with us of Toltec wisdom or any other wisdom that you found about, especially corn silk, but corn pollen I'm interested in too? Mm-hmm. I haven't. We haven't. Actually, with Miguel, there wasn't a lot, unfortunately, of crossover around agriculture. So I know just from traveling in Peru and in Mexico that there was such a deep respect and aliveness that the corn had, that it wasn't seen as something separate, that it was a being, that it was a god, that it was a goddess, and that every part of the corn is sacred and useful and 
studied in that way. One of the things that's so um, potent about the Toltecs is that they were very much scientists and artists. And you see that in the art down in Teotihuacan in Mexico, that there's so much that gets woven in with the animals and, and the agriculture. And even though we don't have a lot of information, there is that sacredness of the connection between nature and human and that there isn't separation. So what is, tell me about corn silk. I would love to hear what you're exploring. Well, traditionally, throughout the Americas where corn was grown, um, corn silk was considered to be a premier remedy for any kidney problems, bladder problems, or prostate problems. It certainly continues to be used in those ways by modern-day herbalists. I think of it as the, the honeymoon herb. It's really great for repairing any bladder distress after strenuous sex. <laughs> nice. And it's an anti-inflammatory. It's pretty high in antioxidants, and it, so it turns out that it's really good for the cardiovascular system as well. And I jokingly said in my article that this is probably because the uh, Mesoamericans, you know, people of Central America and Mexico and so on, didn't have heart problems, so they didn't realize that corn, you know, was effective against them. But corn still can lower cholesterol and lower blood pressure, and the polyphenols um, increase the flexibility of the blood vessels and of course um, being such a great remedy for the, the urinary tract um, people have often pointed to the fact that corn silk is probably good for the kidneys too and it has um, a substance in it that can actually uh, prevent the formation of and break down kidney stones Amazing. I love the, yeah, it is. And this is the power in something that we, and I know you talk about this all the time, but just how much power there is in things that we in the West, in the actualized mind, is like, that's the part you don't eat. Like, that's the part that's trash. Well, there are baskets and baskets of it drying all around my house. Oh, nice. And I have found through sad experience, the once it is dry, that I actually want to freeze it, because it is such a good treat for any number of insect pests. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really sad to open up your bag of precious dried herbs and have moths fly out. Oh, yes. yes. <sighs> so once my corn silk is dry, um, I b bundle it in the silks of six ears, because they're dried in a bundle of an ear, right? And then I bundle mm -hmm. six, six, not six individual silks, but the silks of six ears together. Roll that into a ball, put that those balls in a paper bag and stick it in the freezer. Mm, and then one perfect. of those balls, the silks from six ears, is what I use in a quart of boiling water. The studies basically show increasingly good results with increasing amount of corn silk and there does not seem, seem to be any harmful amount of it. Mm, I love that. 
Yeah, my partner, we we grew, well, I shouldn't say we, he grew corn. He has um, a house down in town, uh, and he has corn that he's been carrying with him for 10 years and grew some. And just that restorative property that you can have a seed and put it in the ground, and it creates this whole other life force ecosystem that regenerates over and over again. So I look forward to planting that corn up on my land one day. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, yes. What, one of your um, uh, book series is the Warrior Goddess Training Series. So what does that look like? Is that like a bunch of Kali's? <laughs> There's... There's four different books, and the, the first book, Warrior Goddess Training, is the, the overview of what it means to be a warrior goddess. And for me, that's about the warrior energy is our commitment, our clarity, our focus, our yes, I'm in. That's that dedication, and I will go forward no matter what the obstacles are. And then the goddess energy is openness, creativity, flow, This that sense of we can move through together and we need both we need warrior energy we need goddess energy but sometimes we end up having an excess of warrior and right now we're in a society especially in the united states where there's an excess of warrior there's pushing there's dogmatism there's forcing and you can also have a deficiency of warrior or a deficiency of goddess so sometimes people that have deficiency of goddess there's the sense of victimization the sense of I can never get ahead. It's everybody else's fault. Um, and so we're learning how to balance and use these two qualities really skillfully of when do we need to bring warrior goddess, warrior energy in, when do we need to bring goddess energy in. And so that's the training. The training is that it's practice. Anything that we do, it's not that you do it well and you master it and then you never have to do it again people that are the that are the most proficient at their skill are the ones that practice constantly. And so the training part is that reminder of that we're going to be refining our relationship with these energies through our lifetime and learning how to find our own balance, which changes. Yes. As I remind the apprentices, these are practices. You don't do this until you get good at it and then stop. Exactly. These are practices that you do all the time, and they are there for you. When I got out of the hospital, I went to my yoga practice. I stepped through 90% of it. But I went because it's a practice. That's what you do is you go to your practice. Now, four months later, I can do 90% of my yoga practice. And rest 10%. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. And it's good yeah. to see that progression in myself. And it's because it's a practice. So we have our practices. The inspiration that is coming through to you right now looks like what? Mm, gosh, so many things. Mm. <laughs> I'd say the biggest thing I'm inspired by right now is watching 
women, especially because I work with women so much, watching women come back home to themselves and back into their center and the process of realizing I'm not broken, I can bring abandoning myself. Working with, with warrior goddess training and working with a lot of women, what I've realized with myself and with other women is that we have such a deep tendency to abandon ourselves, to put our power outside of ourselves, to give ourselves away, to think that we're not worthy. And so that place of abandoning ourselves over and over again creates this incredible rift where we stop trusting ourselves. We don't have, we're not in alignment with our intuition. Um, we're, we're in fear. And so I'm so inspired when women have that, ah, that sudden owning of their own power and that coming home and the understanding that they're not just going to come home once, commit to coming back to themselves over and over again and learning how to be deeply intimate with themselves, getting to know themselves at a really intimate, sweet, compassionate level and kicking the judge out of their heads. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I often say that um, you want to wake up in the morning and your biggest problem be which of the five really important things that you have to do are you going to do first? Mm-hmm. So I like that you are inspired by so many different things um, so that your um, open-hearted path continues to move out into the world. There is there's so many opportunities to close our hearts, especially nowadays. And I think this makes the open-hearted path ever so much more important. Do you find that the Toltec wisdom has helped your open-heartedness? Are we still connected? Let me check and see if your call dropped here. All right, screen closed out. Looks like she's still here. Hi, Heather Ash. Oh, it dropped. She'll call back in, I think. I think she will. There she is. Good. Oh, good. Okay, I'm back. I got dropped for a moment. So I heard just the tail end of your I was curious as to whether the Toltec wisdom that you've experienced has helped your you to be more open-hearted. Mm, so much, so much so. You know, one of the biggest things I learned from the Toltec and, and the teachings is that we have the capacity through practice to learn how to open to everything or to close to everything. So whether it's something beautiful or whether it's something challenging, that we can need it 
from that warrior energy of turn to face it and learn to open. And that's been one of the deepest practices, I'd say, of my life is retraining my being that when something unexpected, when something that's difficult, when something I'm confused about, that my natural habit was to close. And when you close, you close your intuition, you close your guidance system, you close your capacity to feel into what's happening. And so over time, using the Toltec tools, I was able to gather enough energy to stop listening to my mind and my judge and the victim part and to really drop into the body and gather my energy so that I could open to the challenges, keep my intuition open, keep my presence. And it, it's not easy. You know, sometimes what I tell people is the practice is learning to open to your closure. So your heart closes, and instead of then judging yourself because my heart's closed and my heart should be open and what's wrong with me, you then open to the closure. Oh, hi, sweetie, you're feeling closed. I'm opening to that. I'm opening to the fear. I'm opening to the resistance. And that willingness to be with where you're at and open to it will lead you forward to, to really learn how to open as a practice. And it takes time, like all things. Like all things. Well, I could certainly take a lot more time talking with you, but once again, we have just about talked our time away. I know that Heather Ash Amara, A-G-A-T-H-E-R-A-S-H-A-M-A-R-A.com is your website. Is there another place that you want people to get in touch with you? Is that the best place to go? That's a really good place to go, and also Facebook and then Instagram. So if anybody wants to follow, like, the intimate journeys of my life, Instagram is the fun place to do that. Heather Ash Amara, and you can find the Warrior Goddess Training Series, you can find out about Seven Secrets to Happy, Healthy Relationship, and Awakening Your Inner Fire, and all kinds of amazing things like you've been hearing right here this evening from Heather Ash Amara. As we wind this down, I ask you the last question. What do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you? Mm. To have more fierce compassion for yourself. And that the fierceness is that I'm willing to dedicate myself to making the mistakes, to falling down, to getting back up again, to trying. And the compassion of the... It's hard being in this body. It can be challenging. And yet we're all learning as we go along. And so to treat ourselves like little kids that are learning how to walk and that when the kid falls down that you say, you can do it, I'm here, I got you, and that we learn to treat ourselves in that same way. You can do it. I see you. I've got you. Let's do this. That is so inspiring. Wow. Thank you so much, Heather Ashamara. You are helping mm-hmm. to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and the threads that, that you add of the warrior heart and the 
warrior goddess or strong and vibrant threads, and we all benefit from them. Good mm. night, Becca, and good night, Justine, and good night, everybody else who's out there who's helping us restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Winter coming on in the colder parts of North America. If you're not already thinking about laying by for winter, Katie and I are out there harvesting nettle and harvesting nettle and harvesting nettle. It's not too late to harvest plants. Dream blessings are everywhere. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.